Thanks for joining us today at the Vine Church. We're one church with two locations and reaching around the world with the help of our online service. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ. If you'd like to partner with us in doing that, you can share this service with others and give by clicking the link below. For now, prepare your heart for some incredible worship and an inspiring message. Now the darkness fades into new beginnings as we lift our eyes to a hope beyond. Sing our creation. All creation waits with an expectation to declare the reign of the Lord our God. We will not be moved with the earth. Sing your presence. 
sing in every season. In every season, your grace has been enough. No, I'm believing. Now I'm believing. The best is yet to come. Oh, the cross before me, my hope on things above. And in you, Jesus, the best is yet to come. Oh, sing your presence. church good how was that that was pretty awesome wasn't it yeah um some of you are like fired up i love i love the beginning of a new series because we get to see the artistry and the creativity of some um amazing people in our church so we can can we just give it up for our uh design team and our creativity team i mean they do a great job of that i have pastor friends who are like who does your videos and i was like people in our church and they're like no for real who does your videos and i'm like yeah, people in our church. That's how good they are. And so that's awesome. Um, can we give it up for our worship band, especially leading us in that song, Raising a Hallelujah, I believe. Um, 
So I don't want to over-spiritualize things, um, but uh, there's, there's a word that we use a lot. It's called anointing, and basically what that means is special presence and power. Um, and I, I just, I believe that song, uh, there's an anointing over that song. There's special presence and, and power over that song. And so I just want to encourage you. I don't know about you. Um, I was having a hard time not singing that song throughout the week. Um, and, uh, since we introduced it last Sunday. So I just want to invite you to, um, to allow God's anointing over that song to minister to you in, in your life, um, in all circumstances. And then I want to celebrate one other thing before we jump into the series that we're starting today. And that is that at our 915 service, we had one person give their life to Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to celebrate that as well. It was awesome. Um, very, very awesome. Uh, first time guest too, by the way. Uh, that tells us how important it is to invite folks. So I'm really excited about today's message as we're kicking off a brand new series called Running From God. And uh, kind of one of the universal themes for our lives is that we run from things. Uh, we know this to be true because of a childhood game that many of us learn to play, except for the new generation of children who play inside instead of outside. But before there were things like, um, oh, I don't know, Fortnite and Apex Legend and Call of Duty, Special Ops, uh, we had to go outside to play. And some of you are like, outside? Um, yeah, outside, students. And uh, there's a game that we learned to play as a kid um, that, it, that really kind of sums up life. It's called Tag. Y'all know Tag. Most of you do. Um, students, Tag, here's, the, here's how Tag works. You get a group of people together because like back in the day, we used to interact with people um, and, instead of using our device. And so we'd get a group of people together. Um, we didn't have headsets. Uh, we actually talked to them. And, um, and so we'd get together out in, and we set a perimeter. And you had a home base, and then you had like a destination. And uh, the way Tag worked, was someone was it, and their job was to catch people that weren't it. And um, you, as the person that, that was not it, you were trying to get from like home base to home base or from home base to destination. And the game ended this way when everybody either got to home base or everybody got caught. Like you could not stop running and moving unless you made it to home base or you got caught. And when you got caught then, and, and like the, the original um, 1.0 version of tag, then you immediately became a person that tried to tag other people. And so you went from not being it to being it, and then you tried to get other people. Unless you were playing an adap adaptation of the game tag, which was freeze tag. Y'all remember freeze tag? And so the way freeze tag worked was you would run around, and then you would try to tag somebody, um, and they would be frozen, and then like depending on the version of freeze tag, you could get unfrozen. And so a person that was not it could tag you and then you would be unfrozen. Or you could play things like TV tag. Anybody remember TV tag? Well, TV tag used to be a game where when you got tagged and you were frozen, the only way to be unfrozen was to name a TV show that had not been named by your group of friends that were playing the game with you. Some of y'all are like, let's play a game now. Yeah, like it's, that was fun. And we could do that back then because they're just, weren't a whole lot of TV shows. I mean, now like you just keep playing the game forever and never, amen, you know, um, because there's just all these shows out there. So, so there were all kinds of versions of tag. Um, and then when you would go to like, oh, let's just say the Bible camp that my parents took me to one year, and that was fun. Um, <laughs> We would play Bible tag. Now, despite what it sounds like, like you would run around with your Bibles in your hands and then you would just be like, you know, like that was not the Bible tag that we would play. That would have been a better version of it. But, but the way Bible tag would work is somebody would be it and then other people were not it. And then you get tagged and you'd be frozen. The only way to get unfrozen was to quote a verse from the Bible. And, and that's where Jesus is... Um, or the shortest verse in the Bible came, came in handy, Jesus wept. And so like you just had to quote chapter and verse and then Jesus wept and you were unfrozen, you were back at it. And so, you know, like I wasn't like a Bible nerd when I was little. And so I didn't know a whole lot of Bible verses. I just knew like, you know, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only, baby. I mean, that's a whole lot longer than Jesus wept. So I should have learned that. But anyway, so that was Bible tag. And, and, and what the childhood game kind of captures is that there is a universal theme of our lives. It starts when we're little, and it is that, that we have a tendency to run from things. We, we have a tendency to run from things, and we, we run from things to other things. And, and, and there could be some, some good things that we run from, but typically what we run from are the bad things in life. And so we'll run from one thing to another thing to another thing. And that, that kind of really captures, not to go too deep too quick, but it kind of just captures like our struggle against God. The Bible says that all of us are... Um, 
all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In other words, we're all kind of born into this nature of flesh that, that causes us to rebel against God. And so um, unless we have a different nature, what we find ourselves doing is we find ourselves running from one sin to another sin to another sin to another sin. And typically we run from a lesser sin to a greater sin, though in God's eyes, there are no lesser or greaters. It's just sin. Um, but we'll run from lesser sin to, to greater sin. We'll run from one thing to another. I don't know if you found that to be true in your life, but I found that to be true in my life. Um, sometimes we'll run from crisis to crisis to crisis to crisis, and we think we're running from one thing, and then we create another crisis. See this happen a lot in people's lives, including mine. You know, you start, and you're running from something that's small, and then you move to something that's bigger. Um, sometimes the running from something turns into running from someone, and so we'll run from a relationship into another relationship into another relationship into another relationship, and we've never resolved what we're running from in relationships, and we just keep running. And uh, sometimes uh, we run from um, some circumstances, some situations that relate to people. I, I have a, a daily routine of reading a psalm a day in, a, in addition to some other scripture and it kind of co coincides with the day. Um, I just reset in the book of Psalms. Um, so uh, with March 1st, I started over at, at Psalm 1. And so today's March the 3rd. And so I read Psalm 3. And it, the editorial mark in the Bible before I read said, David running from his enemies. I was like, thank you, Jesus, for that little nugget today. You know, sometimes we run from people that we perceive as enemies. Um, sometimes we run from God. And that's where we're going to spend... Uh, our time on Sunday mornings over the next couple of weeks, throughout the month, month of March, um, just talking about how we find ourselves running from God and what God is calling us to do in life. If you brought your Bibles or you have a Bible app, I want to invite you to go with me to Jonah, the book of Jonah. Um, if you don't know where it is, that's okay. You could go to the table of contents. That's why it is there. In my Bible, it's page 774. I'd just be curious what's on page 774 in your Bible. It's probably not Jonah. But... Um, the book of Jonah, and um, it should be kind of like towards the back end of what's called the Old Testament of the Bible. It's a part of a, a book of the Bible called the Minor Prophets, and uh, we're going to be doing a series on the Minor Prophets this summer. It should be a whole lot of fun. Um, and, and when it comes to the book of Jonah, um, I will be completing 24 years of ministry this fall, and I've actually never taught on the book of Jonah. As a youth pastor for seven years, I never taught on it. As an associate pastor, I never taught on it. And then now 12 years as lead pastor of the Vine Church, I've never taught on it. And I don't know why that was. I was thinking about that in preparation um, about two months ago when we were kind of preparing for this, this message in this series. I was thinking about it. I have no, no clue why, only except maybe I just thought this was a story everybody knew. Because when it comes to Jonah, a lot of people know the story. And if you don't know the story, here's the spoiler alert. This guy gets swallowed by a big fish. And that's kind of the essence of the story. And so um, I hope I didn't ruin the rest of the series for you or even the rest of the message for you. But, but I think that everybody's kind of heard that story. And, and if you're new to church, this is your first time, maybe you're like, well, that sounds a lot like Pinocchio. Yeah, there are a lot of similarities, uh, except that Pinocchio was fictional and this is factual and this is historical. And we'll get to, to more of why it was historical next week at the beginning of the message, something that I think that all of us should pay attention to. It seems far-fetched and it seems like it would be fictional, but in truth, it's factual. At least Jesus believes so. And so we take a look at the story and what we find is that this is a great um, uh, this is a great book and a great story for us to take a look at about how we have this proclivity to, to run from God and to run from what God is calling us to in life. And so I just want to um, share this uh, with you uh, in, um, today and then also the rest of the month. There are four chapters or four weeks of this series. We'll be taking a look at a chapter each week. And so this is how the story of Jonah begins. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Imitai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. What a great call. Go to an evil group of people. Um, that's not a call that we necessarily want. We'll get to that in just a second. But what I want to share with you this morning is that every one of us has three calls on our life. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. In fact, we had a bunch of people say that they ran out of paper at 915 today, okay? So buckle in. Uh, the three calls that we have on our life, the first call that we have on our life is to follow God. 
It's to follow God. In other words, it's to be um, his and for him to be ours. It's to, to begin a covenant relationship. We see this all the way at the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis. We see it come to completion in the person of Jesus. Uh, we believe that Jesus was God in the flesh, fully God, fully man. And so he was the fullness of God and he was the fullness of the kingdom of God. In other words, what life looks like when we live under the reign and the rule of God in our lives. And the first words for Jesus were either repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, meaning that we could turn towards the kingdom of God and that the kingdom of God was so close that we could grasp it within our hands. Or it was these words, come and follow me. It was one of those two things, but both of them are the same. And the reason that they're the same is because God desires that every person, including you, regardless of where you've been, regardless of what you have done, that you would be in an eternal relationship with God where he would be your God and you would be his people. You would belong to him by following him. And so Jesus calls a group of initial followers to follow him. And they do, they follow him for three years. And then at the end of his ministry, after he's died on the cross as a substitute for their sin, came back from the dead, giving them and the world new life. He then commissions his followers in Matthew chapter 28 to go into all nations, to all people and make disciples. Disciples mean followers to make more followers. There is a call that God has on every person's life to follow him. But that call doesn't end there. There's a second call that we all have. The second call that we all have is for fellowship with God. It's for friendship with God. To have fellowship with people means that you're hanging out with people that are your friends. And, and a lot of people fall short of fellowship with God um, because they think that they prayed a prayer and become a follower of God and that that's the end spot of their journey with God. That's actually the beginning point, which is why Jesus actually never talked about praying a prayer at all in his ministry, but instead he talked about abiding with him, dwelling with him, having fellowship with him, a deep and growing relationship with him. Listen, you are an invited into an eternal relationship with God based on his love for you that does not change and will never be greater than it is this moment. However, you can receive more of his love than you receive in this moment by growing in fellowship with him. Many of us, we, we stop short of fellowship and friendship with God because we, we think we've done it all when we prayed a prayer, raised our hand, walked in aisle, got in some water and became a follower of Jesus. But I want you to listen to what Jesus said to some of his followers, you, know, you can find that reference in John 15, five, um, after Jesus talks about dwelling in him and hanging out and abiding in him, he says, hey, I, I used to call you servants because that's what, you, that's what you were, but now I call you my friends. I used to call you the followers, but now I call you friends. You see that there's this progression where we start by surrendering our life to Jesus because we can't save ourselves. And fortunately, God um, loves us enough to where he saved us. And so we devote our life to follow him to a place where we get to intimacy, where we receive more of his love and more of his love and more of his love. It's just up to us how much of it we want to where he goes, hey, now we're at a different level in our relationship. You're, you're, you're always a follower. You're always a servant. You're always a disciple, but you're also a friend. It, this is why some people, when they show up to heaven, Jesus said, some people are gonna show up to, to heaven and say, hey, let me in because um, I got the right title for you, Jesus. I know that you're the Lord. You're, in fact, you're Lord, Lord. I'll, I'll say it twice. That's how, how much I know that you're the Lord, Lord, Lord. And, um, and some of you are gonna show up and you're gonna say, hey, I got the title for you and I also did some work for you. So I'm gonna say, Lord, Lord, hey, did I not do this X, Y, Z, fill in the blank for you and for your name? And Jesus is gonna say, depart from me because I did not know you. I did not know you. Not like God didn't know who you were or who you are, but that God did not know you relationally. And so the second call in our lives is for fellowship. It's for friendship. If you've said, hey, I wanna be a follower, it doesn't stop there, it begins there. And it moves into this fellowship, this friendship, where now, according to John 15, five, we can know the will of the Father, where we can know what God's 
desire is for our lives. The third call on everyone's life is to find our purpose in life. It's been said that the two greatest days of a person's life are the day that they're born and the day they find out why. The day they're born and the day they find out why. God has given you a specific calling on your life, a specific purpose in your life. Now, all of us, we're created in the image and likeness of God, right? That means that you bear the image and the likeness of God. The people that you look at, every person that you see, they bear the image and the likeness of God. And by our lives, we're called to glorify God. We're called to glorify God in everything that we do. We just spent three weeks um, talking about how praise should be redefined into a lifestyle. Everything that we do, everything that we say, every posture that we take, even in pain and problems, we're called to glorify God. That's the overall purpose of all of our lives. And yet, All of us have a specific purpose in how we're called to do that. If you don't believe me, Romans chapter 12, verse two, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. In other words, don't don't go out there and fulfill the purpose that the world has for you, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind. You can only be transformed through the renewing of your mind when you're in fellowship with God. And you will know God's good, acceptable, and perfect will. God's good, acceptable, and perfect will, the specific call that he has on your life, how you're called to carry out you being created in the image and the likeness of God. It's very specific to you, and it's only, only possible to be accomplished through you. So what is that call? And this is where we pick up the story with Jonah because he gets a very specific call. That moment where God tells him to do something, very specific, that he didn't tell anyone else to do. God spoke to him. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Now, what we don't know, and what, or let me back up. What, we, what is not stated in scripture is that Jonah first you know, obeyed the call to follow God. We, we don't have that written in there. We do not have written in there that Jonah then uh, grew in his fellowship with God. But what we do know is that the Lord spoke to Jonah and Jonah heard the voice of the Lord. What we do know is that you can't recognize a voice from someone unless you're in relationship with them. I mean, how many of you, how many of you remember the day before caller ID? Some of you are like, caller ID, what? Like, there was a day before call. Yeah, we used to actually have these like dial-up phones. Hey, if you want to see a funny video, um, video, <laughs> there's some parents that got their kids to, to uh, uh, what do you call it, a rotary phone? And the kids had four minutes to try to dial a phone number and they couldn't figure it out. They're like, I don't, what, what do we do? Anyway, it was awesome. It was awesome. I get sidetracked so easily. Anyway, so, um, but, but caller ID, before caller ID, you had to like just take a gamble. Man, I don't know who's calling phone's ringing. Hello. And you either knew the voice or you didn't know the voice. You knew the voice if you were in relationship. You know voices when you're in relationship. When Liz calls me, I got caller ID that says cutest in her senior class on a phone. I mean, like, but if I don't look at the phone and I were just to pick it up and say hello, and she says hello, I know that's my wife. Like I know um, that it's one of my kids when they call. I, I know when it's Gus that's calling me. I know when people that I'm in deep relationship with call me because I recognize their voice. So we don't have to have that Jonah followed a call to, uh, call to follow God. And we don't have to know that he had fellowship with God. The voice of the Lord came to him and he recognized the voice of God. If the voice of God came to you, would you be able to recognize it? And that's a sign that you're at a place where you can discover and find your call in life. And so the voice of the Lord calls to him in a very specific way. I want you to go to Nineveh for their evil has come up before me. Thank you, Jesus, for that call. Like, could I not go pastor the Vine Church? That'd be a whole lot easier, right? Um, No, go to Nineveh. And I don't don't know that they teach this in VBS or in Sunday school because we like to sanitize scripture. We like to clean it up and make it nice and neat for kids. Nineveh was like going to a terrorist group and telling them about Jesus. 24 years of ministry, I've had people come up to me, tell me that God's calling him into full-time vocational ministry in the context of church, or maybe in the context of a country that's relatively nice and easy to live in. I've had no one in 24 years come up to me and say, God is calling me to go minister to terrorists. I don't know that God hasn't called anybody. I just know that nobody's told me that God's called them to that. 
Now, I know people that minister to terrorists. In fact, I've been with a group of people in countries where terrorists are and, and have shared the gospel with some of those people. Um, our church has partnered financially and in a team going to where terrorists are. So I know that God does that. I just don't know anybody that's responded to that in the context of the 24 years of ministry where I've served. Because I think that's a challenge for us. I mean, this is a very specific hard calling to go to a group of people. And so naturally, he's like, yay, God, thank you. Let me go to Nineveh. Wrong. Not what he does. Let's see what he does. Verse three. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Jonah, in writing this afterwards, he writes back and he, in two verses, includes Tarshish three times. He also accompanies going to Tarshish with fleeing from the presence of the Lord. See, a lot of times we think that our disobedience to a specific call of God in our lives is actually an infraction against the action that God is calling us to. But in reality, what it is, is that it is actually disobedience and distance from God's presence. Because God's presence always goes with his calling on our lives. It's why Jesus says in his gospels, when he commissions us to go, hey, if you'll go, I'll go with you. And anytime the Lord tells you to do something, the promise that's attached to it is that he's gonna go with you. So it's not simply that in our disobedience, we are being disobedient to an action that God is calling us to, but we are actually being disobedient and distancing ourselves from the presence of God. That's why Jonah himself writes it. Like I was going to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord and twice he says it. And that should be the most frightening thing that we could ever think about, fleeing from the presence of God. When we go in the promise of God and in the calling of God, we have the presence of God with us. And it would simply be easier for us to be obedient to God than to be disobedient to God. Have you, have you ever notice that it's just easier to do what you're told to do rather than not doing it and then trying to do it later. Students, you should be going, yeah, amen, preacher man. Yeah, it'd just be easier for you to do it the first time than it would be the 50th time that you're told to do it. Can I get an amen? Yeah, I'm, I'm really just preaching to my kids over there. So anyway, um, yeah, I mean, it was much easier to do that. It's hard work to be disobedient to God. It's really hard work to be disobedient to God. Um, it would be easier just to, to be obedient to God. Listen to how hard it becomes for, for Jonah. Listen to verse four. Uh, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners, those that were on the boat, they were afraid and they cried out to, um, to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and he had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said, what do you mean you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God, little G, God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Doesn't it sound like he doesn't have a personal relationship with God there? And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, prophet? And where do you come from? Joppa, but I should be going to Nineveh. Um, what is your country and of what people are you? And he, that's Jonah, said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is it that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the what church? Presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. 
He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and they hurled him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Yeah, this is a pretty powerful story and pretty powerful example of, of how easier it is to obey God the first time and in, in our disobedience, how hard it can become later. I wanna show you, I wanna show you um, that in our disobedience, we're just trading something um, that's hard for something that's harder. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me show you a map of something. Um, so there's Joppa. That's where um, Jonah was when he got the call. It's only 550 miles to go to Nineveh. You see how far it is to get to, to Tarshish? It's 2,500 miles by a boat ride. And so it's a lot harder just to get, if he would just been obedient, it would have been a whole lot easier. It'd be a whole lot easier for us if we would just be obedient to what God's calling us to in our lives. If, God, if God's calling us to repent from a sin, it's a whole lot easier for us to repent of that sin in the moment than to try to repent later for greater sins or a greater consequence from sin later. If God's calling us to go in a moment to be in ministry, it'd be easier for us to go in that moment than it will be later on to go in that moment. That's why, have you ever lied and then had to cover up your lie with a lie? Have you ever had to do that? I had to do that. I've had to do that. You lie and then you have to lie again or keep lying to cover up the lie. There's a lot of creativity that has to go into disobedience. There's even creativity of justification, reasons why. Like, hey, hey, I'm just gonna go to Tarshish because people need the Lord in Tarshish. Or hey, it's cheaper for me to get a cruise to Tarshish than it is for me to get a caravan to Nineveh. Like we'll become very creative and, and put in a lot of hard work to be disobedient to God, but we're just trading hard for harder, not hard for easier. And, and here's the proof of it. He gets in a boat and as soon as he gets in the boat and they set sail, the Lord stor- stirs up a storm. In fact, this is the exact wording from it. The Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. If you've been at sea and a storm's come up, you know that the wind is stirring up the waters. And we know specifically the Lord sent this storm because the Lord hurled a wind on the sea. What's the Hebrew word for wind? Ruach. What else can Ruach be translated into? Spirit. I want you to listen to this. I want you to listen to this. If Jonah would have been obedient to the Lord, he would have had the spirit of God at his back. But now instead he has the spirit of God at the front. How many of you have ever run with the tailwind? Well, let's back up. How many of you have just run, period? You know, like, I mean, yeah. yeah. Like, if you ever have run with the tailwind, you know it's a whole lot easier, right? In fact, if you're in a track meet, an outdoor track meet, and there's a wind that's at your back, they will put an asterisk by your time that says wind assisted or wind aided. They never put an asterisk if there's wind coming at you. But if you've ever had wind coming at you while you run, that is good reason just not to ever run. I mean, it is, it's hard to have a headwind. It's easier to have a tailwind. So I want you to see that while he was fleeing from the presence of God, the presence of God was running towards him. While he's running from the spirit of God, the spirit of God is running towards him. But you and I, we get to choose whether we're gonna have the spirit of God at our back or whether we're gonna have the spirit of God in our face. It is much easier to run with the spirit of God at your back than it is to run with the spirit of God in your face. And, and, and so like this storm is there and the Lord has caused it. I mean, these people who are pagans, they even know that somebody else is in control of what's going on, a little G God. So they're like, hey, you pray, you, you pray, you pray, you pray to whatever God you wanna pray to and let's see if anything, nothing happens. So they go to the one guy who hasn't prayed and they're like, hey, well, you pray to your God. And you know what he doesn't do? 
He doesn't pray. You know why he doesn't pray? Is he knows that the Lord's not gonna listen to your prayer when you're walking in disobedience. There's only one prayer that he's gonna listen to when you're walking in disobedience. And it's a prayer of confession and a prayer of repentance. All right, so listen, how many of you have ever asked somebody to do something for you? They don't do it, but then they turn right around and ask you to do something for them. All the parents, your hands go up, let's go, people. Revival breaking out in church. Yeah, all the time. Hey, will you do this? No. Hey, will you do this? No. All right, look, there's only one prayer that the Lord listens to when we are walking in disobedience, and it's a prayer of confession and repentance. And here's repentance. It's just turning around. It's just changing the way you think, changing the direction. So I want you to see this. I want you to see this. In that moment on the boat, Everybody knows, look, remember we run from God and we only stop when we get to our destination that we're trying to get to or we've been caught. Jonah's been caught. And in that moment of being caught, he's got the headwind coming against him. If he had just said, Lord, I confess, I'll go to Nineveh. That's repentance. And now that headwind becomes a what? Tailwind. Come on, y'all. Hey, listen, that was good. And if you don't understand how good that was, We'll pray for you at the end of the service today. Look, it's that simple. It is that simple. When God calls us to something, it is that simple. The only prayer that the Lord will hear in that moment is confession and repentance. And then you will have the tailwind of God, the presence of God with you. Now, the presence of God is with you. It's either at your front or your back. You get to choose. You get to choose. And Jonah, he's still holding on. He doesn't want to go to Nineveh. So you know what? What basically what he says is I'd rather die. So he tells them, hey, just throw me overboard. And eventually they get there. I mean, these pagans, they were pretty virtuous actually. I mean, they tried to row after he said what he said. They tried to row him back to land. They didn't want to throw him over because they, you know what they knew would happen to him? And he would die. He would wilt away. And listen, if we live our lives without a purpose, we will wilt away. And, and they knew that. So they're rowing to land. They just can't get there. And they're like, all right, here you're gone. They've got a purpose. And actually in throwing them overboard, the sea settled down and they give their life to the Lord. That's crazy. Just an aside. Hey, just an aside. Then some of you are like, no, you need to wrap it up. No, just as an aside. <laughs> when you're disobedient to God, listen, it's not just gonna impact you. Jonah's disobedience impacted a whole crew on the boat. And that storm that, that the Lord stirred up just for Jonah, it impacted other people. And if you've got people in your life that are causing storms in your life, it might be time to throw them overboard. Amen. Now, well, all right, okay. <laughs> I'm primarily talking about maybe students a dating relationship. You might need to throw somebody overboard. Hey. Some of y'all might need to throw some people overboard in your contact list. I don't know. Like, but there might be some people that are on your boat that don't need to be on your boat. Okay, I'll go back to Jonah. This story is about Jonah, and it's called Jonah, and it's about Jonah. It's really about us. It really could be called the book of David. It could be the book of your name. And, and, and the Lord has a specific calling on our lives. And if we don't live into that, we're going to die. I mean, we if the best days of your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why, then the worst days of your life are the day you die and you didn't know why. I, the Lord has been so gracious to Jonah. Like though he didn't deserve it, the Lord stirred up the Ruach against him to give him an opportunity to, to slow down and turn around. He's so gracious. And then Jonah does, uh, I mean, or, or then God does another thing that we would say, hey, this, this is an obstacle for him. This seems miserable for him, but it's another object lesson of God's grace. Verse 17, listen. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And we read that story and we're like, that's an, that's an obstacle to life, life to the fullest. This is actually an object lesson of grace. Like something that, that Jonah didn't deserve was an opportunity for him to turn to the Lord and to walk in obedience. And, and God does it in this crazy way. 
he appoints a, a great fish. Now, I grew up and it was a whale and it probably was a whale. I mean, because like when you look at the size of a fish that could swallow a person, there are only certain, certain fish that could do that. And, and so it probably was a whale. And, and I just love to know how that conversation with the whale went. You know, like I'm, God created whales, so he could probably speak well. Go get junk. Like, I don't know, like what it sounded like. Thank you, Finding Dory. I don't know. I don't know. Here's what, <laughs> here's what I know. Listen to this. Hey, here's what I know. The whale was more obedient to God than Jonah was. The Lord spoke to a whale and the whale went. The Lord spoke to Jonah and he didn't go. But the whale, in his obedience, was a means for grace for someone else. What I know is that whatever God's calling you to right now, there's grace for you. Even if you've been running, there's grace for you. And what I know is that if you'll walk in obedience, you'll not only experience more of God's grace, but other people will experience God's grace through you in your obedience. That's what I know. Uh, there's not a cool story to end our service. I don't know if y'all know this. We try to end every service with like a cool story, kind of bring it home because audiences like that. We don't have a cool story to close with. Like somebody who's like run from God, gave their life to God and then found their calling, ran from their calling and then like lived into their calling. We don't have that. We don't have that. And, and part of the reason we don't have that is because the story's not done. Did you, did you notice? Like Jonah's story's not done. If we're in this real time, like Jonah can't even write back because he doesn't know he's been caught yet. He just knows the fish swallowed him. He might not even know it's a fish. What in the world am I? All we're left with, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Three days, three nights. Next week, we'll find out kind of where he is. Today, we're leaving without a story for you to hear and go, oh, that's cool. I want that in my life because here's, Here's where we're closing today. There are three callings on your life. And my guess is that every person in this room right now can articulate one of those three. And for some of you right now, Jesus is calling you to follow him, to confess your sins, to trust him as the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. And you don't have to do anything to earn it, just receive that love. For some of you, hey, you crossed that line. You thought it was a finish line, but it's actually a starting line. And you've never grown in your love of God and his love has never grown in you. Today, that call is to say, hey, God, I've neglected my relationship with you. I wouldn't recognize your voice if I heard it. And then for others, maybe God's calling you to something specific. Maybe that something specific is to let go of someone or something some sin, maybe that call is to go to a place and to serve the Lord and extend grace to them. But today as we close in prayer and then in our final song, the story's still being written and the story of your life is still being written. And right now, we are in the belly of God's grace to wherever you need to do today, it's okay. It's okay to confess and to turn, not from the presence of God any longer, but with the presence of God in your life. In the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new art. In the soil I now surrender, you are breaking new ground. So I yield to you until you care for it. When I trust you, I don't need to understand to make me, to make me Make me an offering, make me what you want me to be. Oh, I came in with all you give 
Carry on, you fire. 